0: the beginning go ahead fucking you were you you had your momentum yeah yeah no go ahead no i was just gonna i warn was just you about that. to start but you <laughs> had to fucking blurt something out go i already
2: fucked it out. i just want no to- th- we've started No, this okay. is it that's okay. how it is okay i was just trying to warn you that i was gonna be using a lot of different nicotine products and i just i don't know why i felt compelled to let how you know how many nicotine products well i'm gonna bounce back and forth between dip what i'm which i'm quitting in three right, days right and and then um, some some nicotine gum. Ah, yeah. So because I'm quitting in three days, I'm going very hard right now. I see. Yeah. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? Oh yeah, for ten. Yeah, probably yeah. longer. Uh, fourteen years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been off for for fourteen years. The other day, I bummed a cigarette from somebody, and I felt like I was out with people, and somebody went out to have a smoke, and I was like, you know what? I haven't. I mean, literally, I have not smoked a cigarette since two thousand and one. Okay. Eighteen and I was, years. Yeah, yeah. And it, so it wasn't unpleasant, mm. but it was. I mean, it, but it, it it wasn't great. Yeah. But it was just enough to realize, like, oh man, I should not have. I should not do this. Right. Like, wow, because it is still. It was like a sleeping golem inside me woke oh. up and like, give me more. Of oh. That. Oh yeah. You know? That's uh.
2: People in sobriety will talk about that a lot, where it's like. Someone will have 12 years of sobriety or or maybe in my case, I had six the first time I did opiates for like a a surgery. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, you know, I just forget what it's like to be in the tiger ravenous mode. And I think maybe that is a past version of myself. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as that shit gets in me, I turn into a scumbag. Oh, really? Yeah, because Kristen holds the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And she has to dole it out on the prescribed I schedule. Yeah, yeah. And I find immediately I start becoming so nice to her, so charming. Uh. Can I help <laughs> anything? And then slowly I'll explain to her that, you know, well, I used to have a huge tolerance, so they don't work as well for oh, me. Boy. I'm also 200 pounds and 6'2". Yeah, yeah. That's for everyone. That You would yeah. get the same prescription. And I just turn into a fucking
0: scumbag. Yeah, yeah. You start in- enlisting people that you meet on the street <laughs> to, like, steal them from her. <laughs> yes, yes. Some other woman comes in and yes. like, who's this that's jasmine
2: <laughs> she her 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 foot hurts so bad <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't think she can walk back to see her kids <laughs> and they're alone yeah <laughs> she's not sure where they are
0: it might take a while she might be walking for a while yeah but the tight. Ty- so did you were you a heavy smoker Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, we'll, we'll continue with this, but I do feel like I should introduce the show. Okay. We started a sloppy way Yeah. Here. But folks, you're listening to three questions. But I mean, how would you stumble upon this? That's right. The, how, how does one the, stumble upon this and not know that I'm talking to my boyfriend and lover, Dax Shepard? Yes. My sweetheart. I'm sorry,
2: I, I got kind of infected your show because I like to ju- I like a, I like to parachute into conversation. You did, and, yeah, I,
0: yeah. and I remember when I did your show and when I've listened to it, it does seem like that. Like you don't do a, see, I just like to do it because the music online has a nice post. Oh, okay. And so it's nice to, it hits that post and then it's like, hey there. And mm-hmm. uh, and that was, uh, oh, I was inhaling and just about to do it right when you started talking about your Copenhagen. Well, well do, you, do you do an intro though? Uh no, not really. Oh, I mean, okay. just sort of like, hey, here we are, and it, it's you know it's variable, but uh. but that that makes
2: sense because because yeah. I have an intro and I go today. I'm gonna talk to Andy Richter. He's the greatest. Oh blah, no, blah, I blah. don't.
0: I don't pre-tape. We it's like we start right here and then I just start. right yeah, yeah yeah
2: in which case you definitely need to say who you're
0: talking yeah. to yeah <laughs> yeah it's Dak shepherd everyone thanks um, for having me Andy. i'm happy to have you you had me on yours which was very helpful uh on the day that mine launched i had the number one podcast in the country for approximately 14 hours that's great oh my god i was such a great. dick were you oh you my god yeah yeah louded i was over just everyone? smashing into cars <laughs> I just rented a Maserati and smashed into parked cars. Put diesel in it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Back to the nicotine. Yeah, I smoked. uh, I smoked for, well, from when I was 17 until uh, when I was 34, 35. Um, Oh, yeah, a little longer than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, because that was, yeah, because in 2001, I was, yeah. Thirty-four. Um, now, so, when you
2: when you took a hit of this, were were you struck with the absurdity uh, of the the activity itself? Because I've I've been off of it so long that now when I look at it, I go, my goodness! I thought, let's put some smoke in this body. Yeah, yeah. Like it really something sunk in where I was like, drink gasoline.
0: Why, yeah, yeah, why, yeah. why yeah. stop with fucking filling these tiny little know, organs with, with? Well, with but, smoke. you know that's the thing too, is that like I. And I go back and forth about smoking weed, although I don't really smoke – like, I don't smoke herb, as they say, anymore, and I now am currently in a period of of abstaining – because the problem is like now if there's a vape pen, like I just I just had a few weeks ago where I had a few weeks off and it was vacation. I was like, all right, I'm going to go pick up a vape pen. And Sure. basically if anyone watched the Comic-Con shows, I was high the entire time, just if you want to know. <laughs> you know, if my mom's listening to let her know that. And that um, can work with not both really, of I, you. Not really during the show, I'm kidding. But yeah, but like, I mean, yeah, it's like, all right, sure. You know, because I do, I can maintain uh, as virtually 80% of Los Angeles now, maintain a level of of productivity while being a little bit high, you know? Sure, sure. It's just, for me, it's like a a toggle switch that's contentment. mm -hmm. Like, I go from being kind of a slightly crabby asshole that's just fighting with his politeness Mm -hmm. in order to, like, not be, let the crabby asshole out, to being like, no, I actually kind of am content being alive, and I enjoy uh, what's happening right now, you know? So yeah. Well, it, it, for years, it was a self-medicating thing.
2: Well, also though, with the with the legalization, it's a far more predictable exercise now. Like yes. I, I think Dan Savage says, he he misses the days of playing um, pot brownie roulette. Yes, like where you might get the piece that has <laughs> seventy grams of THC, and
0: then you might get the one well, with zero. And also <laughs> the weed, it's like you're you would get. People would say, oh, this is really good, and it was just basically, you know, chopped up rope or something. Uh, right. And, and there was no kind of, like, Indica Sativa. An old sativa, like, cider. What the hell is Indica <laughs> Sativa? No, I bought a bag of weed. You know, you didn't have any idea. Well, and then they make these dose
2: pens, right? Yes. That
0: vibrate. My wife yes. has these. They vibrate when you get an exact amount of right, something. Right, right. But is that she using it for CBD or— Oh, all, recreational. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whatever. I
2: mean, yeah. not a ton. She's very streaky. You know, like yeah, yeah. she'll have a month where she does it, and yeah. then and then I'll be like, "Honey, have you noticed you haven't done it in two months?" And she doesn't notice. I right. mean, she's so not an addict. Yeah, yeah. I think when we when we yeah. when we first started dating, she smoked kind of casually cigarettes, cigarettes. Yeah. And again, like maybe a month and a half went by, and I was like, "Wow, you." You did a great job quitting sick, smoking, man. You didn't get grumpy or anything. She's like, I didn't quit smoking. I'm like, you haven't had one for six weeks. And she's yeah. like, I haven't. And I, I could have fucking choked her to death.
0: <laughs> My mom had a friend or still has a friend. I don't know if she's still smoking. But she, for years, would buy a pack of cigarettes and keep them in the freezer because she would only, like, smoke one or two a weekend. Oh, man. And I, And at the time, I was a smoker. And I was like, how do you do that? How man. do you not just, like shove your face into a carton and then shove it into a bonfire. Did you keep, I kept cartons in my freezer. I didn't keep cartons in my freezer uh, just because I didn't have that kind of Good common sense, right? Because it was dramatically dollars, cheaper, ridiculously cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I I'm not even sure how much do cigarettes cost now. About 150 bucks a pack. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> they must be. I mean, because I, I don't know. I think they were like six, five, six bucks when I quit.
2: I, and I don't. I don't say this in a judgmental way. I, I just. I say it in a, I'm aware of it way. Where I have some friends back home that like will be struggling with money, and I'll help out. And I do notice they do smoke a couple packs a day. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I'm not judging. I just am aware. Well, it's about a hundred dollar a week habit, probably. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it really has gotten so expensive. Yeah, I, I would be looking for. The, I guess growing it in the backyard. Yeah, people do. Weed. Yeah, no, I
0: know. <laughs> well, and I and like when you say about like intaking smoke into your lungs. I mean, I still like that. To me, is like. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good delivery system for whatever you want to do, you know, and the, and, and the vaping too is a lot, just a lot easier. Mm. Like when I was, you know, I'd get, I'd get, I keep getting sinus infections and I, and I actually have had sinus surgery and it was like, and the missing component of like, I got sinus surgery and it got a lot better, but the missing component of why I'd get like sinus infections that would last months and months and months uh, was that I was probably smoking weed in in the uh-huh. middle of there? So I like mm. you know I'm like. It's like trying to heal a leg, yet taking a small ball peen hammer and knocking on your knee at night, you know, like yes. just for fun, you know, cause it feels good or something.
2: But the, t- the time that it really strikes me, the absurdity is like occasionally something will burn in the kitchen, you yeah. know, in the oh, whole and fucking house is
0: full of, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it like,
2: smells I, my, horrible. I wouldn't, I don't want to be in there. I want to like open yeah. those windows, get the fans. Out, yeah. and I don't want to get the fuck out. My instinct is not to go in there and start inhaling, inhaling a ton deeply. of that. <laughs> yes. Yum. Yet if it were somehow laced with nicotine, I'd yeah. be like, oh, it's great. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm oh. gonna set up a hammock. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna baste a, a honey baked ham in nicotine yeah. and then light it.
0: I used to. I mean, I even think that nicotine was more. I was like, I responded to it more than the THC. For some reason, it was just. And I also found there was an existential component to smoking cigarettes that was the answer to the question, "What am I going to do now?" And I mean, and the the big question of that, you can answer, well, I'm going to go have a step outside and have a smoke. And that's what you're doing right now. It gives you purpose almost. Yeah, and then you don't have to think about the big question about like, well, what am I actually doing on the planet? And I used to – I remember when you could smoke in bars – a big night of drinking was just a big night of smoking. Oh, that's the, the drinking know, was so secondary to just like a fang and darts. Yeah. Oh, just you, like a pack and a half. And, and a you can't night.
2: even unravel the next day's hangover. Oh. You're like, do I just have poisoning from the cigarettes yeah, yeah, yeah. or is it the booze? Uh, awful. Ooh, it's rough. Um, now, I wonder. For me, I, I think there's like a threefold reason I started in the first place. You know, one is I wanted to look cool and and, and be antisocial. Yeah. Uh, one, I wanted to prove my my bravery. and yeah. You could die of this, and then I didn't learn until I read Sedaris's Naked, his, mm-hmm. one of his first books. And yeah. There's, there's a, a story in there, plague of ticks, which I had a ton of ticks. Oh really? Oh my god, plagued with ticks. And I never connected the dots until I read that story that those mostly stopped when I started
0: smoking cigarettes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I do yeah, think he it's used an, to lick light switches and things like
2: oh, that. Oh, yeah, think. and yeah, yeah. count the steps. He'd have to go back and forth to school four times because yeah. he'd lose count. And I used to do the weirdest shit. And then uh, I had never connected those dots, but I do think it's also- can satiate
0: like OCD stuff. Yeah, sure. It gives you
2: this weird bit of control over
0: the next five minutes. Yeah, (laughs) doing something with your hands that's Mm -hmm. just kind of, and you don't have to think about it and and, and it's occupying it.
2: Taking control of your emotions in a sense, like regulating how you feel. To have the power to light this thing and then now feel a certain way gives you the illusion of control over your... And you
0: are getting a little speedy rush too, which which always helps OCD stuff, you know,
2: like a little speedy rush. And I read this... uh, Really crazy. It, it, should there be any um, uh, overlap, listeners of this show and mine? Uh, I've talked about it way too many times. But I read this really great New York Times article about from a psychiatrist who was uh, interviewing a new patient. And the new patient was going through her life, and uh, she doesn't do drugs, she doesn't drink, she blah, blah, blah. But the whole time she was chewing this gum, and she put a few pieces in. And towards the end of it, she said, you know, as you probably see, I, I'm very heavily addicted to nicotine. I don't know if that's good or bad. And the psychiatrist said, uh, well, let me actually research it before I tell you it's good or bad. Um, but what 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 this psychiatrist pointed out was that uh, she could identify people's mental health issues by the drugs they used recreationally Uh so case in point is if if she has a a patient that can do a line of cocaine and then go straight to sleep yeah that person has adhd yeah yeah that's obvious and people who use marijuana and feel somehow energized by that and creative and productive those people generally have depression yeah and the point she was making was just there's drugs on planet Earth. There have been forever. Yep. And people find the ones they need. Yeah. It, we have some as psychiatrists. We have ones we offer. But they're basically doing the same thing. Yeah. And people tend to find their shit. Ultimately, her, her recommendation on the nicotine was it raises your blood pressure, which if you have bl- high blood pressure, that's no good. But it also delays the onset of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So there is some upside to it. Oh, wow. So ultimately, her recommendation know. was not to quit. Right, right. Yeah, I just found that to be oh, just an interesting
0: thought that no. we find our shit yeah oh absolutely and we will never not strive to get high we will never not strive to alter our consciousness i remember in in i think it was high school and health class there was some old movie about drugs and alcohol it may have been like a disney movie from like the late 60s or something and it was very old uh kind of you know that 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 Animation style that was supposed to look artsy, but it was really just lazy. Like you didn't, you don't know. <laughs> but I remember they were sort of, there was like, how did we start drinking alcohol? And there was a caveman and they just, they illustrated this like fruit falling off a tree into a puddle. Rotting, mm. and then a caveman coming and drinking the puddle, and it really is like, yeah, that's probably how it happened. Well, elephants hide fruit yeah. and let it ferment, and then yeah. eat it and get drunk.
2: And I, they moose, attack, attack,
0: there's when the apples get rotten, there are moose that attack towns in Sweden because they're oh, on a drunk. They're yeah, on yeah, a yeah. bender. They're yeah, like oh. they get terrorized by oh. drunken moose. Yeah, man. And have you been next to a moose in real life? Oh my God, they're the <laughs> most <laughs> terrifying. Those <laughs> in Buffalo, Buffalo are ridiculous. I don't know why they can't
2: photograph them in a manner that lets you know how yes, big they are. They are you are need to ridiculous. be next to one. Yeah, they're, they're like, like 1800 an, like pounds. Like an RV. Yeah yeah. 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 They're fucking the, the, the rack is like eight feet in the air. It's crazy. I was in. Uh, oh, man. This is one of the crazier things I witnessed. I was uh, in, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, at a friend's house older friend of mine he's he's coming up on 70 uh and we're in his backyard and he he and I are just talking in the backyard and it's nighttime and then between him and this little lake behind him is maybe nine feet he's yeah. standing about nine feet from this lake and just out of nowhere a fucking moose at full sprint runs between him and the lake and I was like and he he spun around and I was like, I oh, you almost got hit by a car. Like I yeah, just yeah. watched
0: you almost yep. get killed. Yep. Just sitting in the backyard. Yep. Mm. And does that did he say that happens frequently or was he, he? sees them was
2: he's he, he's never been grazed by one oh, at wow. a full canter.
0: Wow, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well now you're from uh you're you're from Michigan. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now Proudly. are you from the suburbs or from uh,
2: Yes, I am from uh and then I think you and I, thought, we shared this a little bit in common. I'm from the last town that would be a suburb, but then transitions into farmland. Yes, that's so exactly
0: it, how I grew up. It
2: was about probably 30 miles as the crow flies from downtown
0: Detroit. But it And was, has it become more suburban as since your childhood? Because that's certainly the case with Yorkville, which is the town I grew up in.
2: Yeah, it had this kind of spike in, like, McMansion construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I grew up there, it was it was very blue collar, and I would say the you know, a good half of the town was probably below the poverty line. Yeah, and then after, way after I left, I would say it became kind of upper middle class. Yeah. And then I think that plateaued, and now maybe is I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Kind of. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but yeah, but, but the, the York point York was, is there were time. there were people there that like had money, and then there were kids getting on the bus that had shit on their boots from having uh, mucked a stall.
0: Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and <laughs> it's funny too because a lot of the, a lot of the when I was there, the people that were wealthy. They were, like, I'm thinking of, like, the richest people. In Michigan? People. No, in, in Illinois. Oh, oh, okay. In Illinois, the town I grew up in, Illinois. The wealthy people, there were some people who came out there to be, like, horse people. Oh, uh-huh. So they were rich, but they still would have horse shit on them. Yeah. And then, but <laughs> like then it was, Mendeville like. Canyon. Yeah, yeah. But then I remember there was another family, I think, that, like. Owned nursing homes or something and they were, but they just had a big car. They weren't like, right. You know, they didn't like wear designer clothes or anything. Right. Um But yeah, but now, I mean, now I don't, but I mean, we were literally like, the, we had a McDonald's open and it was like. A a huge deal. Like, literally, the the morning the McDonald's opened, like, half of the town came in. Like a Whole Foods coming somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. But (laughs) it was McDonald's. (laughs) Right. It was the
2: antithesis of Whole Foods. And then
0: even, and that was when I was a kid, and then in high school, there were many nights where- that what you did was hang out in McDonald's parking.
2: Lot. Oh, fuck, yes. There was
0: so little to do in your life that you just go to McDonald's and just sit there all fucking night.
2: Yeah, ours was the Milford Cinema, which had a screen that is half the size of my current living room TV.
0: <laughs> and uh, now that either means you're Mr. Big Shot or it was a shitty. You know,
2: I think every American practically, even if you're broke, has an obnoxiously big TV. When I go through
0: Costco, I'm like, that's what they cost now?
2: 600 bucks for a 65-inch? Remember when we were kids, if someone had that Zenith Council TV, Eighty percent of it was wood, mm-hmm. right? And then there was maybe like a twenty-seven inch yep. screen inside, yep. and those fucking things were thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. You were rich if you had one. Yeah. Right? Now it's like you see people getting evicted and on the curb with the trash bag luggage is a sixty-five inch yeah, TV, is a
0: disposable
2: flat <laughs> screen. <laughs> yeah, like people don't even steal TVs anymore. When we were kids, mm-hmm. when our house got robbed, they stole
0: the TVs. And I don't, I don't think I've had a TV repaired in 15, no, 20 years. No, no, you, you just throw it. them out. You throw them right. Like, Well, yeah, I could fix it, but it'll cost four dollars less than a new one.
2: Yeah, just uh, just leave the hatchback open, put it in there, drive around for a while. Eventually, the problem will be solved. <laughs> or in the alley,
0: everything goes in the alley. You put something in the alley, it goes.
2: But, but the interesting thing about where I lived is, is then Kristen lived. Again, t- twenty minutes away. Yeah. But she is very metropolitan and I very much am a hillbilly. Yeah. You know, like the shit we did why was straight is that? redneck. Was she
0: a fancier town or yeah, you know, so like she, a more sophisticated? Yeah, she was uh, you know, eight mile
2: obviously is the famous division between Detroit and most of the suburbs. Yeah. And she lived at nine mile. Oh so, I see. but in a in a nice kind of just a a, a, a hip, cool downtown, cityish type. You know, environment. All of her neighbors,
0: GM executives, kind of living there. Specifically, she
2: grew up in a area called uh, um, Huntington Woods. I couldn't even think of the real name because everyone, including its residents, call it Hanukkah Woods. It's oh. she was the only Gentile in that whole neighborhood. Oh, I see. Um, so yeah, and then bleeding into Birmingham, which is really really nice. Yeah, yeah. And so just a completely different. Like when we share our childhood stories, we could be from three, you know, two different states. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dramatically different.
1: Yeah. The amount absolutely. of
2: fighting that happened at my school and stuff. She's just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I saw a fight twice in my uh-huh. life, and I'm like, <laughs> first there was one every day of the week, and yep. then ones were scheduled for the Milford Cinema and on Friday <laughs> night you saw three or four fights. Yeah, yeah. And what And would they was- get nasty and violent? Oh, or- yeah. The yeah. bloody, broken noses, yeah, yeah. the whole nine yards. And... Uh, and then I think way more sexual activity because we were bored too. Like you know, several girls were pregnant in my eighth grade class. Yeah. Uh, people were just they were they were finger blasting and they were punching dudes. And that's
0: just- I hope <laughs> not one right after the other. Oh uh, well, often I hope in there the was same some night. hand washing in between. <laughs> I mean, or maybe I don't. I don't know. Let everyone have what well, they look, want. There's clearly one
2: direction it can go, which is fine. Right, which is the finger blasting happens before the right hook. Yeah, yeah. You don't. It should not be reversed. No one should have blood on their hand.
0: You know what? I'll get back to you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Ask some people. I mean, the weekend's
0: right around the corner. I'll
2: let (laughs) you know. (laughs) Oh, and I always just really quick. I just think of now uh, the poor adults that would go to that movie I can't imagine they ever went that more than once. Theater. That yeah, movie yeah. theater, because it was at ninety percent occupancy, was taken by twelve and fourteen year olds. You know, yeah. seventh through eighth grade, sixth through eighth grade was was the f- and and people were just jumping over seats and screaming and throwing. So I mean, whoo, God bless those <laughs> out of towners.
0: Ours was a little a little calmer, I think. I mean, there were there were definitely there was a division in my town between what was known, and it was just, because it was so small, I mean, I think, I think our, I think our school had, like, maybe 600 kids, maybe six or 700 kids total. Our your high, high school, school? Our high school. Oh, okay. So, it was, you know, like, it was a fairly smallish class, so there wasn't, like, a lot of, a lot of room for differentiation in terms of your groups, like, there wasn't, like, science geeks and I mean there was yeah. a couple kids like that or there wasn't theater kids there was just jocks and burnouts.
2: Well what's interesting is it's kind of yeah it mirrors the the dynamic of small towns versus big towns which is my high school is big enough that you could be anonymous in some ways
0: right? Like It was you, hard in our school.
2: Right like you could be a dick to some guy yeah. or he could be a dick to you and then you might not see that guy yeah. for a week or yeah, whatever yeah. it was so I think it's kind of like it was a microcosm of what now has happened on the internet where it's just like you kind of feel anonymous about it all.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, uh, although now, now, I mean, there is the difference that there is, like, you do get, regardless of where you are, like, if you were, if you grew up in my town and you were like a just a full on theater kid, mm-hmm. you didn't have anywhere, you know, you had to be a theater kid kind of on your own, but also sort of have friends that, you know, played basketball or friends that, were farm kids or friends that, right. you know, it, you didn't get to like just, but now you get to, you really get to. Isolate in your tribe. Yeah. You really get to kind of find your tribe at an early age, at least in a virtual kind well, of way.
2: Was there a predominant group that settled the area you lived in? Because this was all kind of a mystery to me until I read a Malcolm Gladwell book that talked about the culture of pride mm-hmm. in Northern Kentucky and Appalachia. Uh-huh. Have, you ever, have you read that book by no. chance? No. Well, talks about that, you know, these, these, these historic feuds like the Hatfields and McCoys mm-hmm. and all this. There's a huge history. That's just one that we know. Yeah. There's, there's thousands of family feuds that have ended in multiple murders yes. in that area, right? And then he even goes through like... How the court trials, basically, they just can't convict anyone. Because if you're like, well, he called my wife a, a bitch. Yeah. And they're like, acquitted. You know? Right, of course. So he really dives into he why. He took my why, hog. <laughs> right. And, and the re- his reason is, and maybe it's not his and he borrowed it, but most of the people that ended up in, in northern Kentucky came from Scotland, Ireland, different herding backgrounds. So farming... Farming communities are subsistence modes. You have clear boundaries of your farmland. You work it. Uh, her- and there's a
0: finite set of resources. In yes. terms of in terms of grazing land yes. between well, you and the next yes, town over, yes, it's, and it's
2: permeable and no one has rights to it. So uh. these guys are, are 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 herding sheep on the Scottish hillsides. Well, no one owns that, right? So you're kind of you're staking out an area that you're herding in, and you got to fucking stand up for that area, right? So and you just look at the cultures that had a lot of. Hurting without defined borders, the Bedouins, all these different people. And there's an increased level of you got to stand your ground. You got to fight. And it's prized and it's honored and it's respected. Anywho, so this whole pride of culture thing, Michigan got a huge influx of Kentucky folks Tennessee folks when the auto boom happened. My grandparents are both from Kentucky. Most of the people in my town or many of them had grandparents that were from that culture of pride area. So I do think it was uniquely like stand your ground you know, punch a guy who says your sister's hair looks bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, that's my explanation. yeah, the for the
0: it. the displacement of of Appalachian people, because in Chicago on the north side of Chicago, there it, there's I don't know how much it is anymore, but even when I was a young man, deeply hillbilly areas right because people, when they would cut the top off a hill to to strip mine it, in Kentucky or West Virginia, they'd say, "Go to Chicago, and we'll set you up, and we'll get you a job in a factory." Uh, Except there was no. There was. They would give them cheap housing, but there would be no factory, and there'd be no job. Right. So there are all these just. Disp- and I mean, you go into into like shitty little taverns, which is where we would all go. Yeah. And there was nothing but like.
1: You,
0: you know There was nothing but like It felt like it had been cast Yeah <laughs> like it was like You know uh, it, it was all like You know The jukebox was all country music It was all mm-hmm. You know Like Slim Whitman and yeah. You know and, and the people would be And I'd You know And I'd go in And I like old country music And I'd play old country On the jukebox And There's one night the, A guy turned around And he's like who played this Marty Robbins? And I was like, <laughs> I did. I don't remember what song. He was like, my dad plays Marty Robbins. What the hell are you playing? Like, he was angry. Oh, wow. And I was like, I like Marty Robbins. And he immediately was like, oh, I do too. Like, just switched around. But it was just, it was funny that that. Uh,
2: I wonder if it was that it, it it reminded him of dad and he didn't want to be reminded well, of he only was, dad he at the right He seemed to
0: be of- very drunk. <laughs> oh, okay. And it seemed to be a, a normal state of the being. The logic so, wasn't yeah, linear. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership. Now that's rosettastone.com backslash pod five, zero for 50% off.
0: Can't you tell my loves are growing. So what was your household like? I mean, uh, I know you were raised mostly by a single mother. That's right.
2: Yeah. My mother left my father when I was three. My brother was eight. My sister wasn't here yet. And, uh, She had not worked up to that point. So she got a job working at General Motors as a janitor on the night shift. Uh Uh-huh. And we moved into this uh, tiny little apartment that everyone was on welfare, ironically overlooking the Milford Cinema later to come into play. Yeah. Yeah and we were there for probably what's funny now that i'm older and times moving so much quicker i think like oh we lived in those for so now i in reality i recognize like we were there for a year yeah and then we moved to like and did you was your dad you he didn't provide support my or? father kept the family house <laughs> oh wow got his buddy who he sold cars with to move into my bedroom oh wow greg who amazingly my mother ended up marrying That was my first step day was the guy who took over my bedroom. Wow, wow, wow. But my mom, to her credit, she started as a janitor. Then she started working in the tool crib. Then she became a manager of the tool crib. So we were always on that climb. And I would say uh, we were in like a little townhouse till I was probably six. And then we moved to our first house that my mom bought for us in a pretty nice little lower middle-class neighborhood yeah. in Highland. And uh, and then Greg, my dad's buddy, she then married, uh, got pregnant with my sister. And uh, my sister arrived, and then Greg was out of there I before Carly was maybe six months old. And then we lived on our own for maybe a few years. Then a, a new uh, stepdad who was an engineer at GM, we were with him. He had two kids. We moved into his house.
0: Uh, that so felt- there were five kids, yes. three and two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how was that? Um, contentious. Okay.
2: Well, there's a bunch. There's like there's there's a funny version, and then there's the shitty version, and I'm happy to tell both. But one one of the just really. Why don't
0: you make them one? I mean, <laughs> okay, such okay. a Time saver. Yeah. Jesus okay.
2: Maybe I, maybe you'll be wiping a tear I, away and then laughing. I try to keep this thing to an hour, man. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, the, the order of his children were, um, he, he had a son that was exactly my brother's age, and then he had a daughter who was exactly between my brother and I. Okay. So I knew her from elementary school, uh-huh. Heather, and I had a huge crush on her. Oh, wow. Before my I knew my mom was- At what age? Dating this guy. Second grade, oh, wow. third grade. Okay. Yeah, so my brother was probably in eighth grade. I was probably in second grade. She was probably in fourth or fifth grade. So- she was in love with my brother. I was in love with her, and that was the triangle that existed for I don't know, maybe the first six months we all lived together. Wow! And I used to have these. And fantasies. how did your brother
0: feel about her? Oh, wait, he indifferent.
2: Wanted, he, yeah, completely.
0: Yeah, he did yeah. not want her to
2: look at him. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you when you're older <laughs> and some younger person likes you and, yeah, and yeah. you have morals, you're like, right, right. I don't even want to. Yeah. I don't want to happen to notice you might be good looking. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, back going to back. to that. Back yep. to that. That was really funny. Uh, uh, that's just the kind of comedy headline of it. But uh, he, uh, the stepdad, he would he would go to uh, Arizona in the winter uh, because they had to continue to test the cars they were engineering. Mm-hmm. And, so, and there was snow in Michigan. So he would go. So my poor mother stepped in the situation where she now had five kids and a full-time job. And it just wasn't ideal. And a husband that was... In and out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a much different culture, <laughs> house culture than we had uh, curated in our home. Uh-huh. And so that, too, didn't work out. And then, I guess, in sixth grade, they got divorced. And then I temporarily, with my brother, moved in with my dad... Uh, and it was right before my dad got sober. That was a pretty gnarly— Why did you Why did
0: you move in with your dad? Well, I mean, because
2: uh, my mom left my stepdad. Yeah. We didn't have a place to live. She had sold our house. And ah. then she decided she was going to build a house herself. Oh, I see. And then that process took, obviously, a year. Yeah. It was really nowhere for us to go. My mom and sister went to her, her friend's house she worked with, and they stayed there. And then oh, my brother okay. and I went to uh, my dad's house. And that lasted about six months. And, and was
0: I, your dad uh, like a stable— mm-hmm. Presence?
2: No. He was oh, okay. a every, uh, I'm going to preface by saying, because I, I've gotten to a bad habit of only airing my grievances with him. I understand. Very I've, evolved. I've been, I've been caught in the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Very evolved man. Mm-hmm. Many of his friends were gay all of his girlfriends were Jewish or black. He was a, a kind of an evolved dude, very huggy, affectionate, said, I love you. Yeah. Uh, he also had a bad drinking and Coke problem. Yeah. And there wasn't a ton of time for us. So we, he, we saw him every other weekend, but in general, at least half of those, he just drove us straight to my grandparents' house, which was great. Cause that was my favorite place on earth. Yeah. So when I moved in with him, that was virtually the first time I'd lived with him that I could remember. Uh-huh. I had, I had been with him until three, but I didn't really remember. And, uh, Yeah, I was riding bikes in the neighborhood one day and I came home and there was like six kids from the neighborhood all at the end of my driveway on their bikes and they looked quite concerned and they said, uh, we don't know what's going on in there. There's a fight, but, and so I walk in the house, my dad's sitting shirtless on the couch. The coffee table is shattered. There's glass everywhere. Uh, He's smoking a cigarette out of breath. He has a bloody nose. I go... Oh my god! What happened right then? I hear my brother from upstairs going, "Pack your shit, we're fucking leaving!" And I look up the stairs. His shirt's ripped in half. He's bleeding. They've just had a full battle royale in the house.
0: How old your brother at this time? He well, if
2: I was in sixth grade, I was he was seventeen. Oh wow! And my dad's a big was a big fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. And my brother did not lose the fight. Wow. <laughs> they, were, they were both very tore up. And so once I saw my brother, because through all these iterations you know my mom who's my favorite human being on earth i can also be critical of and say she's a human and she needed affection and love we'd be the core she'd meet a guy that guy would be the core for a while and so my brother and i were the thing we were each other's safety net and our all of our security was each other so when i saw my brother bleeding and his shirt torn I went downstairs and I'm like, you're a fucking piece of shit. I hate you. Fuck you. To your dad? Yeah. Yeah. You're the worst fucking dad. You know, really let him have it. We moved out of the house that afternoon. Went and lived in this woman's small two-bedroom house while the house got finished. And then we all moved as a family to a house, which was quite nice. And it was in Milford where I was saying that the farmland meets the
0: yeah, suburbs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was just the three of you, the three siblings and your mom. That's right.
2: Yeah, okay, four of us. And that, I would say, was kind of, for me, I don't know if you have this. You didn't move much, right? You kind of stayed? We st- Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: pretty much. And, <laughs> and at least, yeah.
2: But I don't I don't know why but chronologically we were at places longer But for me, my childhood is really the three years in Milford in that house with my mom, no husband. That was like, I meet my best friend. My whole life kind of started. Sixth
0: grade to high school. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And
2: and I, unlike most people, loved junior high. If I could live a year of my life over and over again and be seventh grade. It's just the most fantastic year. And then I, weirdly then, my dad got sober when I was in seventh grade. He then got in a crazy car accident going into ninth grade. He literally needed someone to live with him to just... Function. Wow. I was also, I used to tell that story. It's just, I went to help my dad. Additionally, I was so terrified of going to high school because I had made a lot of enemies with a lot of tough jock type guys. And I was pretty
0: certain. In junior I'd high? Made...
2: Yes. So. Half the reason junior high was so good was that when I went to sixth grade, my brother gave me a side spike, and he dressed me in Vans and Levi's. What does fi- a side spike mean? So I had like a spiky hairdo on the side oh, I gotcha, and the I gotcha. big bangs
0: that swooped down. Yeah, Again, yeah. I did not pick this hairdo. Kind of like a Cameron Esposito haircut. <laughs> I don't, Do not you know who that is? No, I don't. But you you would if you. A it, very it sounds mid, like mid-80s skater cut. Okay.
2: But very fashion forward for junior high. Yeah. My brother was five years older. So he, and he dressed me in 501s in Converse and I skateboarded all because of him. And when I got into junior high, the eighth grade girls liked me a lot oh. when I was in sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was tall and I yeah. had this cool style. And you're cute. Well, you're I, had, really I had a cute. three year period where I was really cute. Listen, you've been <laughs> cute forever. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I, I would, I was so girl crazy and I dated all these popular girls In grades two above me. And those guys did not fucking like that and I was obnoxious and made a lot of jokes and I was uh, you know all the many reasons you could hate me yeah 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 and so I was also just very afraid to go to Milford High School but you aren't afraid of a fight I'm not and no. were
0: you then afraid of a fight did that Did that happen I
2: had a, I had a, the appropriate amount of fear fighting a guy two years older I than see, me you I know? see and yeah. I had seen a lot of fights that got real real gnarly yeah you know, sure. not like kids wrestling like on,
0: broken nose yes broken it. nose yeah, yeah. That, dudes with casts you. from punching a guy yeah, yeah. Uh, fighting to me was always like it was not part of the vocabulary that's I was always struck like when I when I friends of mine that I ended up knowing in Chicago who grew up on the south side where there would be an altercation and of all the different things that you could choose on how it could go to me punch that motherfucker in the face was not like on the table. Like that was just right. It was crazy. It, it's, you know, it was as much as like, take off your clothes and run around clucking like a chicken.
2: Yes. But, but I, I know you can follow the very simple logic, which is a, I'm envious of that. I don't, yeah. I think it's, I'm not into, I hope my kids never experience. Yeah. yeah, a, yeah. That. So I, I'm not, but a, it's,
0: if it becomes a learned mode of communication, well, here's what happens.
2: You, or in my case, me, uh, you know, dude, Dave Buick, this eighth grader, was humongous who hated I was dating Sasha, comes yeah. up and fucking blasts you in the face. It's very stunning. It takes, you're confused for about 15 seconds yeah. after that first hit. And in that 15 seconds, he can do whatever he wants. And you quickly learn... Oh, whoever gets hit in the face first generally is losing that fight. Yeah, so yeah. Here's, the, here's the calculus. Here's the equation. Yeah. And now when I think it's going to go that way, I just have a very logical choice to make. Am I going to be the one that swings first or am I going to be – trying to gather my shit for 15 seconds it's like Mike Tyson has that great quote he just said recently that everyone has a game plan until they're punched in the face yeah
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean and I I think also too I benefited from being a large person Mm -hmm. I was always big I'm from big you know like Fucking Sturdy plow folk. horse people, and and I think it's a burden. I people. think the only the only kind of like bullying that I ever uh, was always threatened mm-hmm. by kids that were like older kids that, but with whom I was about the same size. I had that too, and they would just assert themselves. And I and I remember too. Like for years too, and I think I was just so conflict averse mm-hmm. from home and just generally yeah. that I could I would shut down, you know. Like I, you know, like I remember there was some in gym we played uh like scooter on little you know on these like little furniture dollies. Did you? Play oh on yeah, those? yeah. Uh-huh. Little it's like a little square piece of hardwood with four wheels on it that you might put a potted plant on and move it around. Sure. Except everybody be on those and you're playing kind of a soccer game in the gym. And there was one kid that like, there was a kid, and I mean, I'd known him since kindergarten and, and he, but he was like one of the quote unquote burnout kids. And, uh, and he like knocked me off my cart or something just too aggressive. And, and I like flared and, and just like went up behind him and gave him a full on blast kick in the middle of the back Uh and (laughs) sent him on his face on Uh the floor. Uh And he got up like in a. Like in a crazy wild rage Screaming at me (laughs) Spittle flying And I was just like (laughs) I was totally stunned by that. And, it, right. and in retrospect, it's probably because this kid lived a horribly violent existence. Sure, sure. And I you know, but and I didn't. Yes. You know, I mean I had witnessed unpleasantries, but mm-hmm. it was not the same. But but yeah, no, I still it's like Well, and, I, and, I,
2: and I'm leaving out probably half of it uh, uh, which I can uh, unfortunately own now, which is I had a brother that was five years older than me. He so had the upper hand He fought me all day long Every day I was his Nintendo Before there was a Nintendo So I had that And then I also had A violent stepdad In the mix Uh, And so When I went to Elementary school And I started wrestling With kids my age On the playground I felt this Amazing sense of power And control That I did not have So I can admit That I was Probably first Through fifth grade First through fourth grade Probably a bully in retrospect. Uh, Not picking on the weak people, but I just wanted to be wrestling all the time right, with whoever right, right. I could get it going with. And then, and I and my best friend was this kid, Clay Smades, who was the co-tough kid in my class. Yeah. And I had an epiphany in fourth grade where I was like, you know, Clay, these kids don't like us. They're afraid of us. That's why people are nice to us. They're afraid yeah. that we're, we're going to end up fighting them. Yeah. And I don't like it. And I am and I actually declared in fourth grade, I'm like, I'm done fighting. And he thought that was ridiculous. And this is really the turning point. I got to sixth grade. I'm done fighting. I'm done fighting for a year and a half. Get to sixth grade, to junior high. And there was a kid, uh, a grade older than me, Sean Castle, who wanted to fight me. Didn't want to fight him. He took my bus route home. He followed me off the bus. He uh, threatened me a bunch of times in front of the bus. I somehow talked my way out of that. Then an hour later, I'm at my friend's house watching TV in his living room. Sean Castle walks in. I'm sitting on the couch. He gets on top of me and punches me in the face. I I mean, I got to say 15, 20 times. And I just sat there and let him punch me in the face. And about six kids watched. And then he just got bored of it or something, got up and left. In my shame over having not fought back. Was the most brutal, crippling, would think about it every night as I would go to sleep, just
0: humiliated with myself. Oh, man, I can. I mean, I've gotten a lot better, but, you know, a traffic altercation with a fuck you, no fuck you. Uh-huh. That that will burn like a cigarette ash for an hour. Yes. I mean, like I say, I've gotten better. I can sort of whatever. And I've also sort of, again, I have a game plan now when people get mad at me in traffic. I smile like ridiculously huge and give them a big thumbs up, uh-huh. you know, it's just, it always <laughs> blows their wiring. Yeah. They're like, Hey, fuck you motherfucker. I'm ready to get out of this car. And if you smile and give uh-huh. them a big thumbs up uh-huh. and say, you know, okay, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. I'm, I'm there now, but it was a, a long yeah. road there. But anyway, I remember it was, I you found once it- telling me a story about a, some big muscle head in the parking lot. Oh, of Albertsons? Of Albertsons. Yeah, that was and a weird. a giant guy, because it had just kind of happened and the <laughs> giant guy got out like a huge muscle head and you were ready to go and he laughed at you because.
2: Well, what, no, what happened was I was in line at the Albertsons, right? Yeah. And I was I was one customer behind this couple and, yeah. and the guy was a for real bodybuilder. He yeah. was like my height and probably 230 and he's wearing like a string tank top and everything. And he just turns to me and he goes what movie and i go what and he goes what movie do i know you from and i go oh i i don't know he's like (laughs) and then turned his head i thought that was it right i'm also having a terrible day for whatever reason i was having a fucking terrible day i was single whatever and he checks out i get my shit i walk out into the parking lot i have my truck there and i'm right up to my truck and he's about 20 cars away by the, the coffee bean, and he yells, He was fucking without a paddle in the movie, fucking sucked anyways, asshole. And I just had this moment where I was like, this guy's gonna win, but he's gonna get tagged. And yeah. it's fucking worth it. Like I need, I'll take whatever beating to give him because I'm just <laughs> I fuck no. I throw the bag of shit I got in the, ba- the bed of the pickup truck, and I just start walking very quickly towards him. And I'm going, what, motherfucker? You want to fucking do And I'm unhinged. As I approach him, I start realizing he's getting a little nervous. Yeah. And then he he has like a tell, basically, where he goes, what the fuck are you doing? I'm so much bigger than you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly what's happened. He has been afraid of this. That's why he got so enormous. He can't fight. He's going to be defenseless. And I'm screaming, and then he gets in his car and shuts the door in the passenger seat, and his girlfriend gets in the driver's seat, and they lock the doors, and I scream a little bit. And then I'm like... Then I walk into Coffee Bean and I'm like, now I'm I got I'm on full tilt and yeah, I got to yeah. calm down before Catherine, please. He gets back out of the car. He's yelling at. I run out the thing and he jumps back in his car and locks the door and then they drive away and that was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, so stupid. Yeah, Don't yeah. recommend it. Not proud. No, of it. no, I know. Yeah, I, I met it. a lovely
0: woman who who, who broadened my yeah, my yeah. view of the world. <laughs> I one time and I want to the whole story, is, but I'm not. A fight. Obviously, I'm not a fight, but on once on a wait like I had, and this sounds so goddamn entitled, but. <laughs> <laughs> on, Half I, of my stories. On are my, like uh, at home, we uh, we're going to the Emmys. Oh, sure, okay, and very and relatable like, already. Yeah, yeah. And number one, <laughs> I'm like getting on a tuxedo that's too tight. Mm-hmm. Kids, you know, having to worry about the kids getting. And when then we get into like my Mazda minivan to drive ourselves to the <laughs> Emmys because like, we're not going to any fucking parties. Right. And I, you know, so it's like, I mean, and I just hate the whole thing. And I, uh, there was other things going on in my life, but I just, well, because, can I pause you for one second? Yeah.
2: Are you doing what I do before I go to the Emmys or the Golden Globes or the Oscars where I go, I'm going to this thing. I have no business there. Everyone's going to go, why is that guy here? He's a little bit.
0: Okay. Uh, no, it, cause it feels, well, I'm always amazed by the fact that the rejection junkies that we all are in show business Mm -hmm. decided to have a way to feel rejected even in our success. (laughs) So in in every single category, there's (laughs) however many people and – all but one gets to feel like shit. Yeah, 80% are yeah. losers. You're 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 being given in the war, you know, you're being given the gift of being chosen in this small group when you're already in a fucking small group. <laughs> yeah, you I do know. this for a living. You're <laughs> successful beyond your wildest dreams. Yes. More than anyone's yeah. entitled so to. So we're going <laughs> to pick the best of those people <laughs> uh, and then you're going to go and you're going to sit there dressed up uncomfortably mm-hmm. and you're going and they're going to say it's not you. <laughs> yes. And they, you know, and instead yeah. it's like and for us too it and was it's always like and in the always meantime, a daily
2: show. In the meantime though you're going to be up comparing the whole time. Absolutely. So you're going to see all these people who are higher on the ladder yeah. than you, make more money or more I'm popular. And I'm going to see
0: I'm going to see people I came up with who are now on network sitcoms mm-hmm. and making, you know, more money and so <laughs> yes. I'm going to be in a in a lunchroom and there are the cool there are the cool kids table and I am not yep. fucking there. Yes. I know I'm not there. <laughs> yes. And on our drive down, it was downtown at the, you know, LA Live or whatever, the, whatever, you know, the Staples Center thing. Yeah. And a guy bumps us at, a, at an intersection and at another light, I'll, I'm like I say, I'll keep it short. I got out of the car, which I never fucking do. And as I'm getting out of the car, Sarah says, uh, don't. I was off. <laughs> she just went, "Don't." And I got out of the car and I walk and and I, you know, I'm in a fucking tuxedo. Right. And I'm on Olympic Boulevard and like I think Arlington, some guy that looks like he's a waiter cuz he's like kind of dressed up, he's in a shitty convertible and uh and i'm like what the fuck is your pro-? yeah yeah going to like, the whole and thing he's like let's pull up let's pull up let's just pull up and talk about it I'm, like, I'm not gonna waste any more fucking time with you what's your f-? you know yeah. and then as i walk away he calls me fatso or something <laughs> and i just turned back and talked to him and i was like you're really fucking brave when my back is to you and he goes and he's like let's just pull over and talk about it let's pull over and talk about it. <laughs> it's but, so funny yeah, each yeah. man's trying to walk away with i their pride know inside. but i just was like and then it's just like it ruined <laughs> i was so dumb oh, i just ruined yeah. the it was i don't know so it's regrettable all, so like misplaced shit. And but. to
2: your point, you know, one of, one of the the greatest gifts my dad gave me is uh, as he was dying from cancer, and I was spending a ton of time with him back in Michigan. My father was never bested. It was never. He fought at Costco. He'd get in a shoving match with the free wow. samples. He fought wow. at the gas station. He was wow. always. Wow. He was the epitome of like an alpha, unhinged alpha yeah, yeah. energy, right? And so I was looking at him laying in the bed and he looked very cute and, you know, now childlike because he was a little scared and all this stuff. And I was, I was kind of able to see him in a different yeah, manner, yeah. which was really helpful. Yeah. But I was looking at him and I was like, this is going to be you. This is you. That adrenal dump, the cortisol dump, all the fucking going up to an eleven, getting out of the car, all that stuff. I live with that chemistry for another two hours after that event, yeah, and that yeah. chemistry yeah. kills you. Yeah. And I was like, I that's part of this recipe. Sure, smoking cigarettes was yeah, yeah, but definitely Is that. Is this what you hot, want? Yes, and I'm like, I'm gonna by winning every interaction, I am gonna ultimately lose.
0: I have a similar thing with my dad because my dad it wasn't physical, mm-hmm. but it was it was my dad's a brilliantly smart man, mm-hmm. and and uh, like a dog with a bone when he senses he's been wronged, uh, yeah. and numerous times in my life I have seen him make clerks cry uh-huh. over a perceived lack of correct service sure, sure. you know some and, indiscretion yeah and i mean and he's always ready to go but in that sense you mm-hmm. know and and i have that too like i had to learn early on in my relationships i because it wasn't a physical thing but i definitely would could, intellectually try yeah, to tear yeah 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 and i yeah. had and i and i do i have a i have a certain grasp of logic that can be definitely used as a cudgel, as a bludgeon. And I, and I have learned over time, you're not, there's no winning here. There's just, you know, there's just assertion of some kind of, it's, you know, a louder voice basically. Well, and have you been given
2: the gift of arguing with someone just like you? Because I had a breakthrough about seven years ago, I started arguing with another actor. Yeah. And... It went on for an hour and a half. It started in in an airport lounge. Tim Allen? No, no. Uh, Jason Priestley. (laughs) Jason Priestley. (laughs) It started in a first class lounge and then through the entire walk to the gate and then on the plane. Was it friendly or just? It was a debate about healthcare. Oh, I see. Should have never been having the debate. Whatever. I'm sure you know where I stand on healthcare. Yes, of course. And then uh, we were separated by about seven seats in first class and he continued to shout over, oh, well, maybe everyone should have a cell phone. That should be a right everyone has. Why not give, you know? And I all of a sudden.
0: guess this person in like three or four guesses. (laughs) I'm sure you could. I bet I could.
2: And I got to the point where I started pretending that I had fallen asleep. I reclined my seat and I actually started pretending to fall asleep. And all of a sudden I thought, oh, all these arguments that you think you've won, people just got bored and exhausted. You haven't won any of them. You didn't convince anyone of a new opinion. You just wore
0: them out. Yeah.
2: And that was, I I, I really learned a lot from that. You
0: have a a wonderful (laughs) amount of self-awareness. You know, like, that's like, you're, talk about evolved. That's pretty fucking evolved to learn that much. Well, I'm trying. those different things. Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. That's great. And there's a lot of people, especially, that reach a certain level of success in this business. And also, like, you've directed fucking feature films. There's not a lot of directors that are out there learning from their mistakes <laughs> right. or thinking about how their actions are impacting others yeah. because they've been surrounded by a structure that tells them they're right. Yeah. So I got, kudos I, to you, baby. Well,
2: thank you so much. Yeah. A, having to get sober starts you on that path. Yeah. Because you quickly learn like, okay, I've, I'm not using all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I have all the same character defects I was treating with that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And those are the things that are leading to all my angst and my discomfort. And it, I got to just start kind of cleaning those up because I, it's too uncomfortable mm-hmm. to not have some medication. So yeah, if the medication's yeah. gone. I got. It's basically like deciding you're going to change your health with diet or something. It's yeah, like I got to yeah. prevent the problem from happening yeah. before it does. I really want to go back to just one thing about okay, the Emmy okay. thing, which is really funny. So last year, Kristen got nominated for a Golden Globe, Uh which, how exciting. It's so great, you know? Um, And that's a fun party, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been, but... So you take this moment where she gets nominated, everyone calls, it's exciting. Mind you, I also add, she doesn't give a fuck, which is one of the things I love about her. She could care less if she was nominated, and she doesn't care if she wins. In fact, she doesn't want to make a speech, so she'd rather not. With all that said... This special month-long thing where you've been nominated, we get dressed up, we go, and we're seated in the TV section, which is basically uh, on a platform behind all the movie people, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's fine. But not only does that happen, Jim Carrey then does a bit where he's not allowed to sit with the movie people, that he's got to get kicked into the TV section. And they, for whatever reason, have arranged that he's got to come sit at our table. So, I mean, the actual joke is... Oh, my God, I he's been to- <laughs> relegated to the rip-rap. And then he sits at our table, and I was just kind of like, well, look how quickly this turned. This yeah, was yeah, like yeah. from, oh, my God, it's yeah. so special. Who's oh, the asshole What an honor. Now? And then now, now we're kind of helping <laughs> <laughs> relay this, like, diminished status. Absolutely. And, and I was just like, oh, you can't win. No. This is amazing. No, <laughs> you have to really,
0: you have to really, like, just not let any of it matter Yeah, because if you let it let it matter i mean sure it's nice and it's nice to get a trophy sure and that'll never not be nice yeah but you can't let it like if you if you say that winning this trophy is so important that it means losing the import the trophy is like hugely important yeah, too yes and then what the fuck are you saying yeah you got to take the whole thing on absolutely and
2: Look, I, I tried to check myself and just go like, let's make sure this impi- opinion isn't informed by the fact that, you know, you're never winning a statue. <laughs> like, like it's very clear to me I will not ever be making a speech at any of those award shows. Yeah. So am I now building a case against the entire industry of award shows because I know I'm not getting one? But I do feel like I'm on kind of firm bedrock by saying uh it's just a hundred percent your ego. Like yeah. it, it's the result of something, and I've learned in life that the process is the thing to focus on and care about, and not the result. Right. So it's just kind of antithetical to what I've learned. Makes me feel happy for a sustained period of yes. time. So yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's so well, I didn't. Um, this will sound like again. I don't think I would have even won one, mm-hmm. but. I didn't submit. When you're on a TV show, you have to submit to to an Emmy. And then the network very much wants you to submit because potentially you could get nominated and that's good for the show and everything. And um, they were like, hey, submission's coming up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not doing it. And they're like, well, you know, you should do it. It's good for the show. And I'm like...
0: A, I'm not getting one. B, I don't even want to be involved in the whole pageant. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm skipping it. When I was the star of shows, I never did it for myself. But I'd be like, if you want to submit me, go right ahead. I mean, yeah. you know, right. And then I, and then I would sort of, if they did, then I would follow it and see, like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh wow! I'm glad they really gave me that chance to feel bad about myself. I mean, just you know,
2: some way you just have to acknowledge it is like entering a pageant. Like yeah. you have to sign yeah. up for the pageant. I just don't, you know,
0: it's, more and more I don't want to sign up. For it's it. a it's a example of an industry that makes a ton of money throwing big parties to make money. Yeah, yeah, they're just—it's just just money-making parties and advertising with the hopes that the show or movie will also
2: then make more money. Yeah, and
0: there's no advance; it's not about advancing excellence. Like, it it, just—you can think that it's that, but it's not really, you know. So, yeah. Can't you tell my
1: love's a crow? So,
0: um, how do you go from there to showbiz? Like, do you go? You went to you went to community college. I bought a
2: candy bar. And I opened it up and it had a gold (laughs) ticket inside. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) I moved to California at 20 to Santa Barbara. I'm not sure why. I knew I was moving out here to... Pursue comedy, really? But I had gone to Santa Barbara Wh- What did road you trip. What,
0: why comedy? Why did you think like mm. I'm going to go make money in comedy? Because you know, like I had Chicago to go take improv classes, but I was already there.
2: Yes, I thought I would do stand up. Yeah, and I was just too afraid to do it in Detroit. Yeah, and I thought if I move all the way to California, You'll I will just. To. I'll have to. I yeah. thought I was painting myself into a box, but yeah. then I found out. Oh, there's a, a way for cowards, which is improv and sketch where you're up there with many people to share yeah, yeah. The, the bomb or the success. And so I, I, I had a, a friend that I met that had done groundlings and he su- suggested I go do that. And so uh, right when I got to LA, I, I lived in Santa Barbara for one year, went to community college there and then moved to LA and um, got involved with the groundlings, immediately loved it. And then probably shifted almost immediately to like, Oh, well then I guess I love this thing. So now Sariant Live is where I am aiming to get. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I got there, maybe Maya had just left the Sunday company, Maya Rudolph. And Uh and then, of course, Will Ferrell had just come out of there and a lot of different growlings. So I thought, oh, that's it. Uh, I'm going to do that. And then I kind of was like, oh, everyone I'm with, by the way, it takes like five years to get in the Sunday company or whatever it was Mm -hmm. for me then all my peers were kind of making a living doing commercials. And I was like, oh, well, I, can, I think I can do those. So then I, I just got into acting to make money in commercials. Yeah. And then the more I was on that stage, I just loved it. I it, I really, really loved it. And then um, I obviously did not get on Saturday Night Live, but I got on this show punk uh-huh. Um, After, you know, nine years of auditioning and never, I, I booked two things in nine years, a lawnmower commercial and a uh, AMPM gas station buyout. And um I got on punk and then after like 9 years of convincing myself it would never happen it just started happening very very quickly. Yeah. That you sh- were really good on punk
0: though. Thank I mean, you for <clears> for <throat> within that role like because you did seem it, it was very believable that you could be a guy. You know like it was it's what for me is good acting is you don't have any sense that this is it's it's the same thing as you know going like friends of mine that'll like go in and and Act like they have a French accent to a clerk just uh, uh-huh. to make us laugh, and yeah. the clerk, if the clerk has no, and that for me, my my theory of acting has always been it's lying, it's good lying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not letting yeah. <laughs> any, not giving any tell that you're not what you're what you say you are, yeah. And I've had people really offended by that, like, no, it's about finding truth, like, yeah, maybe, is but that's sure. not the first thing. <laughs> sure, sure, The first thing is lying. Yeah, it's like I'm Gary Stomtrop Right, right. No, <laughs> like, yeah, you no, know, I'm not a fucking helicopter pilot. Right. you know right. the head i'm wearing the headset and i'm i seem <laughs> like it but i'm not really a helicopter pilot. yeah
2: yeah like me as the audio engineer yeah yeah it was exactly. all horseshit yeah
0: but uh yeah but so so well what's fun well, and then it just you know well punk came out
2: and um it was a very big show on mtv i want to say it was the biggest show that year yeah and um I immediately started getting meetings with, like, studio people, mm-hmm. generals, and I went on one, and they were casting this movie Without a Paddle. I think Punk came out maybe in February, and maybe it stopped airing in April, and then in September, I was flying in New Zealand to be in Without a Paddle yeah. with Seth Green and, uh, and Matthew Lillard, and had never done any movie acting, yeah, had never yeah. done any screen acting, yeah. really, and- uh Landed with the perfect two guys because Seth had been doing it since he was six. Yeah. You know, he'd been on Johnny Carson oh, sure, at sure, nine yeah. years old or something. I
0: remember. Yeah. Because I remember when he started to know him as Seth Green. It's like, oh, I've seen that kid in a million commercials.
2: Oh, the most famously. And my favorite thing is he was the cha-ching guy. Oh, yeah. Two uh, yeah. burgers, free fries and a drink. Cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll send you down a, a YouTube wormhole. Where he got so famous from that, they brought him to the New Orleans Saints game because they made that the team motto, "Cha-Ching." And he had never <laughs> seen the commercial because <laughs> it only played like east of the Mississippi. Uh-huh. And he goes down there at like fifteen or sixteen in a trench coat. He likes nunchucks. Sure. And sure. he goes out on this football field. Like ninety thousand people are screaming "Cha-Ching," and they made a little video about it for the local news. And it's all captured. It's the, I can't imagine a more surreal thing yeah, at like yeah, 15 yeah. or 16. Uh, and he goes cry. up in the middle of the field, does some karate and screams cha-ching, and the place goes bananas. <laughs> and we were doing without a paddle, and somehow that came up. And I was like, you were the cha-ching guy? I don't think I've ever been more blown away by finding out an actor yeah, yeah. had done something. yeah. Mm. So anyways, yeah, I did that movie, and then um, uh, I, I – Pretty. I was also doing, a, um, I would do King of the Hills, uh, uh-huh. maybe done two or three. And then Mike Judge and I really hit it off during those sessions. And I think I went to lunch with him a couple times. And um, so when I got home, this this script Idiocracy was floating around and I read it. And um, I said, I want to come in and read for Frito. And he said, look, I like you, but th- I want him to be a big slob and blah, blah, blah. and And I was like, well can I just audition? I do this character. I used to do it at the Groundlings and I just feel like it would fit. So I came in and I did yeah, Frido. Yeah. And he was like, oh, what, what, what is funny? I was yeah, I think I see this. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I got that and then based on having worked with with Mike Judge, Favreau was interested in me because he also loves yeah, yeah. Mike Judge as we all do. And then I- Wait, can I stop you right there? Yeah, yeah. Because
0: uh, I read for that too. Oh, you did? I read for that too. And, and it was one of those ones where- his reaction because I read directly for him and we'd known each other I think he'd been on the Conan show we'd known each other but well I did because I mean I I play a fucking idiot pretty well mm-hmm. I mean like Cabin Boy was the first thing anybody really knew me from and that's like I mean almost that's like IQ 10 you know and so I just I'm wondering when we're going to enter into a phase where you, you really can't do that I don't mean, know <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but he was like oh yeah this is uh, man that was good yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see this. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> man, that was really. No, that was really. Oh, good. And, you know, and it's just like one of those ones where, you know, like, and a couple times you do it and you know, like, all right, fuck, I think I got this. Mm-hmm. And a couple times I got it. You mm-hmm. know, I find out later I got it. And that was one where I really was like, and then you fucking came yeah, along. Did it,
2: did it make you angry at me? Because if I were you. I think I would have been like, wait, that guy? Why
0: that guy? No, it didn't make me angry at you. Um, No, I mean, there's the envy. There's the Mm. envy and the lack of, and every time, and especially at that point, just wanting to be in any kind of movie. And also that movie was so fucking funny and such a great, but, you know, but then it, like also too, it didn't. Oh yeah,
2: it was 20 people song it. came
0: out. And then but now it's like really it's really and I had turned a down. cultish kind of movie and you were really, really good at it. If you had been shitty in it, I'd be mad at you.
2: Well, I that, you know ha- what I mean? that happens to me all the time. Yeah, or yeah. not all the time. It has happened to me where someone else gets cast and I go, Why the fuck did they hire? And then I see the movie, I'm like, Oh my god, they're so much better than I would have been.
0: Yeah. I gotta give it up. Uh, old school. They were really on me for uh, Will Ferrell's part in old school. Uh uh-huh. And I just I was like, I don't know. I mean, and then and I don't remember something I took another job or something. Yeah. I mean, but I can't say they offered it to me, and they, right. but it was definitely, there was interest in me for that part. And then when I saw Will in it, I was like, oh, no, 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 I could, <laughs> I can't, I am not Will Farrell. I cannot <laughs> well, be Will no, Farrell. No one is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No one is. No one is. Well, uh, well, interestingly enough, um, or I should say similarly, I, when I got Idiocracy, they were also wanting to meet with me for um, Wedding Crashers uh-huh. to play the role that ultimately Cooper played. Uh-huh. And I was like, um, no, those two guys are the stars. And then you have the women and then there's no money. And then this thing is like, I have a much bigger part and there's more money. And I love Mike Judge and I just want to be associated with him, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, that was ultimately very, <laughs> if you were just looking at career. Yeah. That be- became the biggest R-rated movie of yes. all time. And yes, the other one yes. didn't come out for three years. Yeah, and it came yeah, out yeah. on like 80 screens. Yeah. But then again, so that's a phase where I'm like, well, I shit the bed on that. You just again, I wasn't offered it. Similar, they they wanted to talk to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was a, a couple years where I was like, well, I chose wrong because mm-hmm. no one saw this thing I did, mm-hmm. so it happened in a vacuum. Uh, and then now, 15 years later, that movie is very much like a cult movie that a lot of people have seen, and I'm delighted I was in it. Absolutely. So my perspective is just like a fucking merry merry go round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: can yeah, you know, and and it's and you know. I I You know who was mad at me about it though? Because uh
2: the, another person that read for Frito was um Stern's old guy that he had the the stand-up uh he stabbed himself. Oh Artie Lang. Artie Lang. ah, who I loved on the Stern show. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, he yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. But I think he he had read for it too. And then he kind of, ha- I think, had an ax to grind. I guess he has said many times on air yeah. that, you know, I'm a whatever I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's really fun. By the way, now that i Artie, been- Artie Lang fucked a woman who thought he was me. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. So, oh. I, I got- Yeah, and he, <laughs> like, ashamedly <laughs> admitted it to me. And there's a part of me at the time, you know, I mean- I was like, well, somebody's getting laid being me, you know, not necessarily me. That's all right, whatever. I guess there's, I got that coin, you know, somewhere I can
2: spend someday, you know. That's a a tricky moral one because it's like, if, you're, if you are if you want to fuck Andy Richter, you're also obligated to know who Andy Richter right, right, is right. on some level. And right? there's also
0: part of me, and nothing really against Artie, but, like, I find myself just aesthetically more appealing than Artie. Sure, sure. But I know maybe he was thin at the time. You know, he, he goes up and down and <laughs> whatever, but,
2: you know. But, but I, I've now interviewed enough people. That I've had several people sit down and go like, "Oh, well, I was offered Zathura before you," and I'm like, "Oh wow, I, oh, d- really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I I thought I was his yeah, first yeah, pick. Yeah, you know? yeah. I thought I was the first phone call yeah. he made." So I've had a bunch of those yeah. already. The, weir-
0: the weirdest one for me is is a Monard family
1: mm.
0: when they first when the casting first went around for that the. The pictures for the Eric Stone Street and Jesse Tyler Ferguson characters were me and Tony Hale. Ah, and at the time, that would have been great. At the time, I had I knew I was going to be going back to work for, with Conan on the Tonight Show, mm-hmm. and but it was a secret. Uh huh. And and so they they offered me that role, oh. and I was like. Mm, uh-huh. I don't know a sitcom, and I, you know, and I had qualms about it. Yeah. Like, and honestly, we would be I'll, doing this interview on a hot air balloon. As you <laughs> taken <in> that role? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> on your goal, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be doing air. a fucking podcast <laughs> if I'd gotten that. Uh, <laughs> I'd own a podcast network like <laughs> Scott Ackerman. Uh, no, but I, um, I, I, one thing I will say, and I will say this, and, and I mean that show. They hired some fantastic fucking joke writers, and that cast is a top notch cast. But the first in the pilot script, the first joke was like, uh, you know, um, the Julie Bowen and the Ty Burrell character. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know their name. I only I do that with like Game of Thrones. Right, you know, right, I just right. call everybody by their names. You know, yeah, um, but. She says something to him that's like, where he's like, I'm wearing workout clothes because I work out. And she goes, No, you don't. And he looked at the camera. And up to that point, we had no indication that this was a documentary show. Right. And the office, and I was like, they're just going to use the offices Uh -uh. documentary style with no explanation. And then I, a few pages later, I see a confessional straight on interview. There's, and there's no fucking documentarians. Right, right, right. Like, right. you're just going to – you're going to lift that. Yep. You're mm-hmm. going to lift the entire – like, the the skeleton yeah. of this dinosaur that is a brontosaurus, and you're going to say, well, it's not a brontosaurus. Like, it, yeah. it was such so <laughs> offensive to me just in terms of, like well, – which is, like, hooray for me that I, I'm, well, well, I'm concerned about originality. But I was uh, just like, no, nah,
2: no. Nah. I'm going to give you an AA uh, saying, which is um, – you can't be too dumb for AA but you can be too smart ah. and I would say that was a yeah, case yeah, where yeah. you can be too smart yeah, for your own good like who yeah. gives a flying fuck what yeah, format yeah. it is but and honestly yeah but
0: I've been hung up about the same but shit but honestly and I, I mean and if I had that choice to do 10 times I would have chosen to, to go back to work with Conan on, because I was so excited about going back to make an immediate TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, is it,
2: it, it, I, I've only experienced it really on the podcast where like, yeah, you do it and then it's on. Yeah, that, that, and nobody,
0: neat- nobody gets to say anything. They yeah. just, you don't have to wait for somebody to come back from fucking, you know, Maui. Right. Wait the, two The train's to, moving too yeah, to fast. Yeah, to have them not understand your point. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make them believe that you adjusted your point for them when you really didn't. I mean, the the the... Art of taking notes from Hollywood dum dums is to make them feel answered when in fact you've really not answered them at all. You know, not changed Well, I would argue
2: anything. that's even one of the the best skills uh, of life. Of, well, yeah, probably life. Yeah, yeah. But certainly, like filmmakers, TV show makers yeah. is, is learning how to make people feel heard. Yeah, giving them something. Yep,
0: yeah, and yeah. then still f- figuring out how to still do what doing you, what you want to do. Yeah. yeah, it's the most interesting too because if you just if you just do stuff for yourself. Eh, Stay yeah. home, and if you just do stuff for other people, ugh, gross. So you gotta, you know, there's well, a balance. Have, that tension between the balance is really. And important.
2: I have to just uh, acknowledge a, a mentor of mine, which is Favreau, where I he's one of the. Uh, I have a very hard time asking for help. Mm-hmm. It's, I'd rather die if yeah, I was yeah. drowning. Yeah, uh, but I have on occasion asked him for advice because he's clearly a phenomenal director. Yeah, yeah. And most of his tips to me have just been the judo of that. He is just a master at judo, redirecting yeah. that node into something that could help service. Sure, you know, sure. Like he really knows how to get the thing he wants to make made. Made. And everyone feeling good about it. That's and good. That's a quite an
0: asset. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, and then from there, I mean, you know, people. I, we're running out of time, yeah, so it you know, people can look at your IMDb page yeah, if they yeah, want to yeah, know yeah. where that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I do want to talk to you <laughs> about about your wife, and because you guys have such a a lovely relationship, and uh, that I know from firsthand, and 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 from firsthand exposure, and also you guys kind of have, and this is actually something. That I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about because I do. Do you ever worry? Because you also kind of have a public, yeah, version of your marriage. Mm-hmm. That scares me. Yeah. Oh, it scares me. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I very much acknowledge the. Um, the the pitfalls
0: of that yeah because you guys do commercials together we do commercials
2: and, you know. together in the commercials we have a perfect life yeah yeah side not to go to the oscars to watch tv on the couch yeah mind you these are all the, I wrote those so uh I it was shit we we do <laughs> you know, like we on stuff and, yeah yeah but, but
0: also but and also too you're not just getting a check and doing what you're told you right. have some agency in it yes um at least together now i i, I sell things all over town and yeah all, I, when, yeah me too it's yeah, like and, I, who and, am i to not sell things that's the way and, the and when i works. do it
2: personally i don't have as many um uh kind of restrictions or concerns. Or qualms, but, yeah. but, but when we work together, I, I feel very controlling over that. And yeah. in fact, when we met with Samsung, we had been offered a bunch of different things to do together and we had never done them. And then when we met with them, I said, look, um, I'm happy to play who we are. Yeah. I'm not happy to snap on some kind of archetype of husband wife and she i'm a bozo and i think she's naggy like whatever i'm like uh, we will be us and if that appeals to you then let's party and they said totally and that's great we did it um but 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 my fear has always been people will hashtag us like couples goals yeah that's like a big hashtag for us if we post something together or whatever oh couple goals couples goals and um I, I, my, my, fear is that people will think we saw each other at, across the room at a party and we were each other's missing pieces mm-hmm. and that the, that people who might look up to us need only find their Kristen Bell or their Dak Shepard. Yeah. And I just try at all, uh, opportunities to say like, no, we started in couples therapy. We were a match made in hell. We're opposites. I don't value anything she values and vice versa. Um, At the core was like, this person has one of the best personalities I've ever been around. I want to be in a porch with this person when I'm old. This person would be an amazing parent if I had children. And I think at her core, she's a very good person that she's I She's a trust.
0: relentlessly positive person. <laughs> she is. Person.
2: It, it, it fucking annoys me because it's effortless. Like yeah. I go to meetings and I journal and do all shit to act half as good as she does just innately. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I just try to be, I guess the way I try to counteract the fairy tale of it is just to go like, no, no, we fight all the time. Even when she was on my podcast, it was probably miserable for the listeners. The first 45 minutes were bickering. She didn't want to be there. She wants to be at Michael's buying fabric. And (laughs) she thinks I'm trying to con her into saying something that she would never say. You know, the whole thing was a shit show for the first half. But The amazing thing to me was how
0: patient she was. And you, I mean, you admitted this later, like how much you talk over her, how much you try and tell her, no, that's not what you meant. What you meant was, and I would, I was just like. What the fuck are you doing? If I were her, I'd be Uh, like, no, I meant what I meant. She's So calm and patient and loving. And it's so like thinking about you being nervous in this new situation Uh and it's taken care of you. And it is it was like, well, it is it is 80 percent her.
2: And then it is also I have built up goodwill over 12 years, which is I do admit when I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I do go away. And it's obvious that that. Yeah, Yeah, I listened to that. And I was more mortified than anyone else could be. I'm like, I'm so controlling. Right. Oh, but was so. But what what ended up is like you could. What I took out of that one was just how much she loves you. Yes. And I mean, yes. and obviously you love her, but it just it was really it was kind of lovely. I mean, I did feel like, and you've learned. You we were hearing you learn <laughs> yeah, how yeah, to do yeah, this. Oh, you that's know? happened and, a bunch of and times. And learning already. it, yeah, but learning it directly <laughs> from
2: her. So well, well the, the the other thing there is two layers though. There is our life with our kids, and um. You know, that's not always sunshine. Mm -mm. She was really depressed the last two weeks. She said publicly on Instagram, she said that so I'm not telling anything out of school. And then for me, that's hard. I'm an approval junkie. And if she's short with me and everything, I start getting like, well, I deserve to be in a kitchen in the morning with someone who fucking appreciates me. And I start getting resentful that, you know. And then I stop and I go, oh, my God, she's in pain. She needs my help. And I got to stop thinking about how it's affecting me. Yeah, This whole thing happens, right? But I will say when we have to work together, that is the sweetest spot for us because we have a shared goal which is be good in this interview be good on this talk show be good in this thing we're filming Yeah, and when we work together it is the easiest time we have as a couple. That's nice. We have this this great That's nice. It's the family business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we have a very she's my favorite scene partner in the world and and I am her favorite scene partner and we just there's never any issue of figuring out like, who's going to talk now or who takes yeah. this thing, or and 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 that's so. When we get to work together, we actually will. We'll, some of the highlights of us as a couple, we we'll drive home holding hands and going like, "Oh, we do that good together." I oh, like that's having nice. you as a partner. That's really
0: great. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's I'm, hard for some people. to – Well, work. I mean, it's yeah. I mean. I I was just, because when you said people, people would put hashtag couples goals sometimes about me and my wife and I'm going through a divorce right now. And that Mm -hmm. was always, it's hard, you know, because I I feel that too. I do like, I do like that people, and I mean, and there was, there wasn't still is like some really wonderful components of our relationship. And Mm -hmm. for many different reasons, it, it stopped. Working and it bore two beautiful humans, yeah. And it, I mean, yeah. two, it made two great kids, and we were married for 25 years, and we are we very much a success, yeah. You I can do check believe we are in very cons- much yes. a success, I agree. Um, but I, I always, but you know, in the last few years, there were times when people would think, and I mean, people would say it, and people would say about it, like friends of ours would say, like, you guys have such because we were friends mm-hmm. and we and we were funny together and we mm-hmm. were friends together, we didn't like have ads that we did together, but. It is kind of you do feel this public version of your relationship that people love, and you know, well, and it's, it's great by, to it's have people love it and 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 be ad, ad, you know admire it and mm-hmm. and feel it as something aspirational. But then you sit there and be like oh my God, I don't know if I can live up to that.
2: Well, you know? here's my, like the, the, the direct comparison to me is sobriety. So like n- everyone knows in sobriety, you only have today, you're sober today. Yeah. Uh, there is a, good. Th- by the way, this is why people aren't supposed to say they're an AA. And I acknowledge it. I do it because I think, I'm willing to have some people mad at me for however many dudes might look up to me and have seen this thing work. So I'm willing to anger some people. But the reason is very good at its core, which is is if I'm out here saying I'm an AA, and then I publicly go relapse, which is very likely. Most people relapse. Now, all of a sudden, AA doesn't work because I fucked up. So Uh so I I get that. But in the same way, I never think, oh, I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life. I have to – it has to be just today because I know everyone – can lose their sobriety. I similarly look at marriage that way. Like, yes, things are great today. I might be couples goals today, but I also might fuck up big time yeah. in two months. Yeah, I'm yeah. aware of that. It or is she a,
0: might. Yes. Yeah. Or you might, take might. you might together. you might out of neglect
2: or whatever, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, life can get too big. There's a million different things. Yeah. And so I'm always, yes, a little hesitant because I'm like, this thing's just like sobriety. It'll work as long as we work our ass off yeah, at it. And yeah, we yeah. might
0: lose the appetite to work our ass off at it. We're humans and, yeah. you know. I actually think that, that that attitude of AA about, like, I can't say I'm in AA. I mean, I understand the anonymous part of it and all the reasons for that. But, the, but if it, you know, to not say I saw Jax yes. in, in an <laughs> AA meeting. Although that,
2: I, you can because I'm open about it. I but, know, but, you're, but, but you're you know right, what I mean. Yes. But
0: anybody that you see at an AA meeting. Yeah. But to say – you shouldn't talk about being an A because of your eventual possibility of failure uh-huh. is a fear-based way of thinking. And it's not yeah. a healthy way of thinking. Yeah. And that, and that it's basically the argument to end any kind of acknowledgement of a self-betterment process. Yes. You know, like yeah. to talk about I'm in therapy, like if I, you know, I, well, therapy must not work because you yeah, got divorced. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or you know, or if, like, I become a fucking mess down the road or my brain chemistry goes haywire mm-hmm. to be like, well, I'll fuck you and your therapy. It didn't work. It didn't, you know, yeah. it didn't keep you from, you know, rehab or whatever, you know. Yeah,
2: I would hope people only hear from me that. AA got me these fifteen years, yeah. And if I go out, it won't be a failure. From that. just
0: this conversation, what you talked about, what sobriety has done for you, mm-hmm. is is a, absolutely a, like a
1: brochure for sobriety. <laughs> okay.
0: and, and and the fact that that the method that you used it got you there, yeah. From you know, and 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 opened your mind and your heart to your own self acceptance and your own process of learning. Then yeah, that's that's some pretty fucking good advertising, and anybody that's angry about it is 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 is, well, is is looking at a deficit kind of life as opposed to a surplus kind of life.
2: Well, and it's basically the thing that I've never loved about religion, which is we do have a text in AA, and in AA it says members of AA shall remain anonymous at the level of press and television. So I am breaking one of the covenants. Yeah, but I also think. That book was written... Eighty years ago, when it meant something much different to say yeah. you're an alcoholic in public. Sure, sure. The the, the social pariahness of having that problem yeah. then was so different than it is now. That to me, it's falling into the category of people hanging onto that Bible, this thing that was written two thousand years ago, yeah, and there's yeah, no yeah. way it can evolve and keep up and change and grow, or that our Constitution shouldn't continue to keep up and grow. Yeah, yeah. It's a frustration I have with just people's kind of innate desire to to hold on to some tradition and just never question it so you know i've never liked that about any other thing i don't know why i would like it about aa right yeah
0: well um that i mean you know we're again we gotta should we we take take our pants off no (laughs) no i mean yes but wait till everyone
2: goes um i want to hashtag couple goals with you and i
0: (laughs) (laughs) well this is the one. i mean i feel like you kind of you know, we've talked a lot about what you've learned. I mean, that's the third of the questions, and where you're going. I don't know where, do you, where are you going. You've directed a movie. You know, you've got the podcast. Yeah, you're working on another show. You got a regular show now, right? Don't I'm you? on a
2: show called ABC. Oh, I'm on a show called ABC. I'm on a show called Bless This Mess on ABC. Oh, right, right.
0: With Lake Bell.
2: I have a game show called Spin the Wheel on that's Fox. Right,
0: game show, motherfucker. That's my deal. I'm the yeah, game show host. I
2: know. I'm sorry. That's all right. And then I have the podcast. Yeah, and um, uh this will sound corny and i and i recognize it's it's uh it's an enormous privilege to be able to have this point of view mm-hmm. but i I don't give a fuck where I'm going. I used to care so much. Yeah. And when I got the things I thought were bringing me closer to that, they never were what I wanted yeah. them to be. And then the things I didn't want to do turned out to be the best things in my life. You know, I didn't want to go on television and be on Parenthood. I thought I'd never get to do movies again. That turned out to be the very best work experience of my yeah. life. Probably redefined me as an actor. Yeah, all yeah. these things. So I, what I have learned is I am very bad at picking what's best for me. <laughs> When I get what's yeah, best for me, yeah, I'm yeah. rarely happy. Absolutely.
0: So I strove I'm, to be number one on the call sheet, the star of a, of a television show. And I did it three times, which I'm fucking thrilled and fe- will feel to the end of my days like, God damn, I was a star of three different television shows. Yeah. But I thought that that would be it. And then it, it kind of, none of them really worked out in any sort of long term kind of way. In respect, they did, like in terms of the respect that they that they're, that is given to them. But they didn't last in like that. I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't have that yacht. I don't have that beach house, that castle in Normandy. But honestly, it's like – I okay. And, yeah. and, and, and I also kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be number one on the call sheet. I tried that. And <laughs> yes. maybe like, maybe that's not, and yeah. I don't, and hey. honestly, there's a lot of fucking pressure with that. Oh God. Yeah. So much of the shit that Conan has to do. I'm just glad like, Oh my God, there's so many meetings and boring nonsense. Oh yeah. And they leave me alone.
2: Oh you know? yeah. Cause I, I had dir- only exclusively directed for a couple years. And then I went back to just acting and I got on that set. I was like, Oh God, I, get to walk out of here after cut i don't have to worry about a fucking yeah, yeah, thing yeah. what scenes they get today where yeah. the sun's at in the sky not
0: my problem just get makeup and come say your words and go sit yeah. in, your, in your little air-conditioned box yeah.
2: yeah that's great well more and more i think the thing that i um i make myself run through the 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 formulas is just okay i'm on my deathbed is someone gonna come in and bring me a printout of my box office and my yes. television ratings? Yes. And is that what I'm gonna stare at and yeah, feel yeah, accomplished? Yeah. yeah. Or am I gonna think about the fun I had on the set, the the experience yep. of it? And I just, you know, I'm increasingly trying to make decisions that will result in fun memories yeah. and not worry about where it's gonna end up.
0: And also, when you have kids, it all everything else is fucking nonsense. They're the total just key to ridiculous. that. Ridiculous. Yep. The 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 things that you Used to worry about it that you, you know, they're just nonsense. Yep. They make everything seem stupid in comparison.
2: I got fired from a guest star role on a sitcom a year and a half ago or two years ago for something they really begged me to come in and do. And I didn't have time and I made the time. And then I did the table read Then they fired me that, like <laughs> later that afternoon. And on the uh, ride home, when I got the call, I was like, God, what does this say about me? Well, is this something that'll get out in the town, blah, blah, blah. And I was really caring a lot about it. And then I walked in the house and the two girls were sitting there and I was like, they don't even understand Mm-mm. what I do. They—that's not what they've liked about me. That I go to some studio to make jokes, no. and nothing has changed. You know, yeah, the yeah. things I I now value are kind of in, in, in uh, impermeable. No, that's not the word. You know, they yeah. just—they can't really be Immo- immovable. Maybe. Yeah, they, yeah, oh, yeah, they can't. They can't. Uh, the thing I now like most about myself really can't be uh, decided by an outside party. Yeah, whether or not I'm doing a good job as a dad. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I love you. I love you, and thank you so much for coming and doing this. This was lovely. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I hope you're number one for many, many weeks. Oh, thank you, thank <laughs> yeah. you, thank you. And uh, and I hope I can come do a live one for you. I, I oh. you, you asked me to do a live one for you, and I wasn't able to schedule wise, but that would be really fun. Yeah, they're yeah.
2: they're they're incredibly fun, and yeah. uh, again, it, to have people already love the thing you do, and to have that kind of pressure taken away, it's like. I'll start getting freaked out about a live show. Oh, I hope it's amazing. And I'm like, no, no, it's going to be the exact thing they want. That's why they bought tickets to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
2: I'm not, I don't have to go there and do stand up for yep.
0: 70 minutes. Yep, yep. They know the product.
2: Yes, yeah, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Most of your career, it, it, you're not selecting for who Mm-mm. likes you. You're just stepping out on a stage right, and right, you got right. to win everyone over. Yeah, no. It's much nicer this way. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming. And thank you out there uh, at your desks, in your cars. On your treadmills. Yeah, on your treadmills, hiding under a table. I don't know what your deal is. Horseback. I'm, I'm not horseback. <laughs> <laughs> Let the horse listen. Uh-huh. Put one earbud in the horse. Let the horse have some fun. <laughs> but thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next time on the three questions. Bye bye.
1: coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.